Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where I interview founders, executives, entrepreneurs, leaders, authors, musicians, artists, you name it, in the world of crypto and blockchain globally. And uh, today I have, I'm really looking forward to this interview. I have an amazing guest. His name is, I'm going to I'm gonna try to get this right, Christian Niedermuller. He is the CEO of Block Trade. Uh, Christian, how did I do? And welcome. Yeah, yeah, thanks, for, thanks, for, thanks for having me. And you pronounced it exactly the right way. So thanks for that. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, so let's kick things off. And I'll ask you first, what is your background? And is it a logical background for what you're doing now? Yes, that's a good question. So I think it's a logical background. I spent like 15 years in uh, traditional banking in very demanding, challenging roles and private equity. And uh, there was one job I had in one of the banks where I was the innovation manager of, of one of the banks. And this was 2013. And back then I came across crypto for the, for the first time, but I still kept being in the, in the, in the banking world. But I was stoked more or less already by by the idea of Bitcoin and and crypto in general. And so I'm in, in crypto already as well uh, for seven and a half years. I am the co-founder of the Digital Asset Association Austria. I am the co-founder of Dyke, uh, which is a validator service investment boutique and of Smape Capital, which is a venture capital fund in the, uh, in the ecosystem. And for the last 14 months, I dedicated I would say 150% of my time to block trade, uh, where I'm uh, the CEO uh, at for the last 14 months. Yeah, and I think this is quite quite logical overall. Yeah, so I I mean I I feel very much at home where I am right now. Awesome. So uh, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about block trade, right? What is block trade all about? Um, what makes it unique, sets it apart from others? That's that's the next good question. I mean, that's exactly the same question we asked ourselves nine months ago. Being just like I would say, nine months ago, we've been just a, another random exchange, one of uh, 500 exchanges out there. And yeah, we tried to answer exactly this question, execute on it over the over the last nine months, and are trying. And are not just trying, but and are positioning block trade in a very special way. So, block trade is actually now, after nine months building and uh, positioning, uh, directly positioned at the intersection between gaming, gamification, and crypto. And I think that makes it very special and unique. And we built some, and we built and are building some really interesting features, which are from my perspective, unique in the industry. And um, yeah, that, that, that makes us unique from, from now on. What, is, what are the, some of those features? I mean, like, uh, so, you know, every exchange or a lot of exchanges are regulated, have a lot of products, have like uh, a little bit of a, um, a, a level avatar slash gamification, but we, um, we went a little bit further with the topic of gamification and 
fully implemented a 50 level uh, rewards uh, system on the platform, which will go live in the next two to three weeks. And um, since this is featuring avatars on the platform and it's going like just the next to the next step of gamifying the encrypted platform, uh, like the implementation of gamification in that way as we are implementing it right now. Yeah. And in addition to that, if you allow me, we form many games on the platform and are about to integrate block trade within games outside and gaming communities outside of the blockchain itself, but as well with our very own token called BTX, which will be launched as well very soon. I want to do a I want to do a, a walkthrough, right? Exchange industry, right? What do you have you found that has worked and what hasn't? That's um, that's a good question. So I think what has worked or what has not worked is just going with hype cycles and just like uh, concentrating on hype cycles. What has worked from my perspective is long-term positioning uh, and long-term position brand building uh, based on a clear vision. And that's that's exactly what um, what we are doing right now. We are positioning uh, ourselves in a, a very special niche in the crypto uh, sector, and uh, that's that's how we think we can uh, differentiate ourselves from uh, uh, from from other players and position us in a way so that it can work. So this we we don't want to like be based on short-term hype cycles, and this hasn't truly worked for one or the other centralized player. Right, so hype cycles. Well, there's. I would say this week has been a hype cycle, right? Um, I didn't even know about this coin um, before Sunday, and now I heard about it the last few days. Um, and it's a meme called co coin called Pepe. Uh, <laughs> my uh, somebody in my town told me that they put three hundred bucks into it and got fifty thousand dollars, and they got lucky. And I'm like, it's nothing to do with luck. You're paying attention. Why do we need to pay attention? um to everything that's going on and how do you how does your exchange help people help your customers to to pay attention uh you don't necessarily have to pay attention to every hype or every every like everything that comes around the corner i mean i funnily enough i think i i have seen one or the other paper haven't seen it this week to be honest was too busy but yeah you will always see uh, uh like uh things like that and um, prepare our customers, our community, better to to avoid um, trapping, uh, being trapped in one of these uh, hypes too late. Let's put it that way. Is that we are uh, we are trying to educate them uh, in a very good way. We have an academy, um, we have a certificate, and yeah, we're really trying of blockchain and and crypto. I mean, for sure. I mean, meme coins are. are uh, uh, to some extent as well, they are to bring a little bit of fun uh, into the ecosystem and sometimes uh, something also sustainable is being uh, built uh, on top of fun. So I'm not entirely against things like that. But yeah, so we are really trying to to educate people about, about the basics and stuff like that and then uh, hope that we can contribute a little bit more that this, the industry is also becoming more and more mature. Yeah? So you're you're in Europe, and I'm in the U.S. Unfortunately, um, 
there's regulatory crackdowns, which I like to refer to as regulatory capture, because that's exactly what it looks like um, with your you know, the overreaching, you know, rogue agencies and our government here. Um, with these overreaching agencies like the SEC, where do you think the industry can go from here and can it go forward without the U.S.? Yeah, very good question. I think it's not just overreaching, it's actually creating a lot of uncertainty for a too long while, you know? Like, it's it's been so long that uh, Gary Gensler is in charge now, and he, he has been in the crypto industry, like, long beforehand, and everyone expected from him that he's more or less brings more clarity and, and clear rules um, to the US, but um, yeah, I fear uh, he failed. He failed with that, and yeah, that's and that's really interesting that we are talking today, actually, Jamil, because uh, today the uh, European uh, Parliament actually ratified Mika, which brings a lot of regulatory certainty and clarity to to the European Union, and yeah, I think. Like if you do it right, and I'm not saying like Mika is 100% right uh, and everything is, is right, what is being regulated, but it brings certainty and clarity. And if you have to over comply with some things, but you know what you have to do and uh, that you're not with, uh, with one foot in the, in the jail, then it, 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 it's definitely more positive for the industry than uh, like not having set proper rules and guidelines. Yeah, so that's. That's my view, and then, you know what? Uh, that's also really interesting. I was at the first blockchain week, I think, three weeks ago, and I've talked to uh, actually a lot of projects from the US, and more than half of them uh, highlighted that they are thinking or are already partially relocating through Europe. And I mean, who would have ever thought that? Not myself. That uh, you have US comp at like innovative US companies like. Uh, trying to get out of the United States, um, that's like, was always the other way around, you know, like European companies or Asian companies going to the US and not the other way around. Yeah. So, yeah. So what I noticed was that, you know, Gensler is sticking to these hundred year old rules, right? But every other country, Hong Kong, Philippines, Thailand, Indonesia, um, I can name, and then Europe, um, you're reevaluating the laws, you know, of your land to, to accommodate, you know, innovation, right? So why, why is that important? And what are you seeing as a result, as a positive impact for your exchange from the MICA rules? Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think it's, it's very important to, um, to modernize the laws and regulations based on uh, factual developments on the tech sector. Yeah, I mean, oh, but also like not everything is shiny in Europe uh, just because we have uh, we have Mica now. You know, like there are also a lot of like rule capital market rules are like still like from early ages. So uh, that's also there's there's a lot to do still. Yeah, but Mica in general for for us as an exchange, yeah, brings a lot of clarity and especially brings the possibility for us to perform our services all across Europe. This so-called passporting in Europe is, is coming with MICA. That means if we are 
registered in, in one country uh, with a, a MICA license, then so with a license, we can uh, bring our services to every other country in Europe and also do marketing everywhere. And for example, now this is still, a, this was still a very gray area and like uncertain field uh, where we, for example, as an exchange, we are registered in Estonia, Slovenia and Italy not really allowed to do active marketing in in other countries or every other country had different rules and nowadays like i mean now from from today on as far as i know there um, you have we have time to we have 18 months time to apply and comply with with the new rules and also the the local uh legislation has to ha has time to 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 come up with some local rules or based on the mika regulation but um, yeah, so this is this is a like a foreseeable uh, time frame, you know, and uh, it brings a lot of a lot, a lot of clarity. Plus, and that's also very important, not just for like for uh, crypto asset service providers like we are, like so-called CASPs for Mika, but as well for projects issuing token, you know. And I think circle made a big step from the us so they, at least they, partially they relocated already to paris uh, you know they, they also the new mika regulation brings clarity for so-called asset reference tokens for e-money tokens and for all kinds of payment utility tokens so there's like a, a whole rule set as well for token issues which is also very good yeah because you really know uh what your token is, where, where it is from a legislation perspective, what you have to do to be compliant. So that's, I think that's overall very good. Yeah. Said a word there. I don't think I heard before. You said af you said asset reference tokens. Briefly, what is that? Uh, yeah. For example, uh, a token which is based on gold, for example, or silver commodities and stuff like that. So it's which is connected to an asset, so a physical asset or to to assets, yeah, but could be as well an asset reference token on, uh, on, uh, yeah, on, on uh, all kinds of assets, yeah. So, which are not securities. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, asset reference token, yeah. Not securities. Got it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So, a rough year <laughs> in twenty twenty two. You know, um, so the trust the factor is an issue, right? Um, how can especially with FTX and others, how can exchanges now build trust and capitalize on the slight? Well, it was a rebound until yesterday. Uh, rebound and is this rebound um, sustainable to drag us out of the crypto winter or bear market and move forward, um, building that trust if possible? So in general, I mean. Yeah, the most trust you can build since FTX, and I think every exchange around the globe was hit hard by 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 the FTX uh, dilemma. Every exchange can can build trust if if you are fully compliant with uh, clear uh, rules uh, laws, and if you are very transparent. And in the same time, with doing so, uh, also are proving that you are. Um, compliant and that you are um, adhering to security standards and stuff like that. So for us, for example, I mean, as said, we are regulated by three um, European regulators and we are also audited in the jurisdictions we are we are working in by uh, big four companies. So uh, by 
big auditors, and they, especially since uh, since AFTX, they are looking really, really closely on each and every aspect. So I think this can build can build a lot of trust now, and um, will build a lot of trust. And we see it like I mean, you have to imagine like we were almost we were close to um, signing an insurance the week before FTX happened. Then we somehow did not sign it, and the week after FTX happened, the insurance came back to us with 25 questions about all kinds of details they haven't asked before. I mean, it was no problem. We answered these questions, but with with this example, you can see that uh, since FTX, I mean, it, this was an insurance, but also with all the banks we were working with, and with all the auditors and stuff like that, they came so many more questions in the overall process of working together, which I think is good and will will build trust uh, over time. Yeah, even more trust. Yeah, so I think the industry standards in, are always improving uh, based on scandals like the the FTX uh, breakdown scandal. Yeah. Yeah. I still noticed after all these years, I mean, you've been in there bef in crypto before me, but after all these years, you know, um, there's still hostility. <laughs> you know, there's there's hostility toward, you know, these meme coins, there's hostility towards other components of crypto. You know, what do you see as the key investor trends now that are emerging and um, how do we overcome that hostility towards those emerging trends? Oh, yeah, very good question. I mean, like emerging trends always come, uh, some of them come very quickly and are, are difficult to, to foresee. I think like the, the there will be a lot of a lot of infrastructure is being built now. I mean, I'm not sure how well you are versed with zero knowledge uh, um, proof technology and stuff like that. And uh, uh, and uh, like we, I see a lot of with my investment uh, angle slash uh, view on things. I see a lot of interesting infrastructure pro project in terms of like cross cross chain bridges, cross chain infrastructure settlement and this is very important that that the next step can be done by the industry which will be done i mean this is this is so long in the making but it's like the the next steps towards the masses and this can only be done when the ux and ui so the user experience and, and user interfaces get much better but they can be can get just much better if the infrastructure in the back end uh, gets much better and easier to use and to implement and this is what's what's happening i mean this is not like the hype cycle you were asking for the next hype but i think that's what's what's being built uh during bear markets or not not hype cycles and that's i think that's that's exactly where we are where we are still in and um yeah so that's i think that's that's what i see is is being done yeah uh, right now and what what's what's happening in the back yeah Infrastructure, roll-ups, cross-chain, multi-chain. Yes. And in the same time, you know, um, what I what I also see now, especially in the last few weeks happening, is consolidation. So I, I mean, some players uh, stop to work uh, or merge with others, get being bought up. Uh, so I think this is just the beginning for the next one to two years, I think there will be a lot of consolidation. 
projects unfortunately will stop. Uh, also players on the centralized side, but also on the decentralized side um, will slow down or, or stop working. Um, yeah, you, you see this. This is also typical for for the current time of the cycle, I think. Yeah, so some won't won't survive. They, they, there's not enough like funding for for everyone. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Been some surprise. I would. I mean, I, I've been surprised by some of the um, the shutdowns. Like, I was surprised by Paxful. That's a big global player, right? They didn't consolidate. They shut down, right? So, um, how are these shutdowns going to impact everything? Do you think it's going to be a positive, or do you think crypto is going to whittle away? I think there's still like there's still. I mean, I was also surprised by Paxful, to be honest. Uh, I was closely following and admiring actually the uh, the way Paxful went, and uh, especially with um, with their peer-to-peer -peer, uh, element, and uh, where they had really a global reach and were doing good things, I think, for the industry. But yeah, I mean, like while while some some projects are shutting down i also see news new coming up coming out of the woods you know every other week so it's not that that if projects are shutting down you don't see new new ones emerging i i just today i saw a new like decentralized exchange uh coming out which offers really new perspectives and new elements so this is also like uh it's not it's not the end if some are shutting down it's probably just the next innovation cycle which is starting yeah so yeah tell you my fear before we get into the next part I, I i what i'm afraid of and I, I wrote about this two years ago or a year and a half ago is that i think the sec is trying to take the crypto industry and put it under the purview of the u.s banks or other major big players right you know how how do you see it is that a possibility um and how how harmful or helpful would that be to the industry so yeah i mean i think you're not entirely wrong what we're seeing now is definitely that um regulators and central banks and everyone is is putting stricter rules on banks i mean we see this as a centralized exchange that we have like really really more and more stricter like requirements from banks we are working with in terms of like uh like monitoring us questions on us um i mean as i said this is good on the one hand because we are being prepared more and more to also apply all these rules and being compliant but on the other hand uh, it's getting more and more uh, difficult to to bank actually as a crypto uh, asset service provider with banks and uh yeah i mean on the other hand uh, you know the will will be able to to restrict their banking access for um for us projects but they won't be able to uh to this is also a chance for and and you know this competition was always good for innovation so i think this will be a chance for other places where you have clearer uh regulation that uh, that banks are still still feel comfortable to bank with crypto companies and yeah that that's then where where crypto and digitally digitally add more yeah then yeah so i yeah what's negative for the us can be better for other uh, areas of the world yeah you're already seeing that um you've seen that in the coin gecko first quarter report you've seen that in all the dap radar 
reports that Asia and Europe are booming as far as gaming is concerned. You know, and you said you're on the you're on the um, the bridge there or the cusp of the bridge of gamification and exchanges. Right? Do you think are possible now um, with your exchange and these you know, the growth in the in the growing sectors of the of the crypto economy? My purpose, we uh, didn't want to like restrict us only on the crypto community. So we really want to bring crypto actually to gaming uh, with gamification elements, but as well with with, uh, with actual gaming offerings uh, on the exchange, but also integrating our exchange uh, outside uh, in, in gaming companies and platforms. And this like this merge and looking um, to other areas uh, and to other like growing areas, this will also be good for for the crypto industry, but also like uh, for for other for other industries, and this will lead to like a lot of like new uh, like symbiotic offerings and uh, like to very interesting innovative elements. I think which will will come up. I mean, just to give you an example, we are talking to a game company, for example, that we ha we will have something like a. a a staking game directly on on our exchange you know i mean still there are some uncertainties around legal questions and around questions around like is this from a gaming perspective possible but with with this element you can see that i think a lot of innovation uh, will happen if a market is kind of saturated or is is in a consolidation phase some players uh, are aiming to to differentiate themselves in an interesting way are interested as well to collaborate with different and new players. And this normally always leads to one or the other innovative elements. Uh, um, yeah, so yeah, that's that's how I see it, yeah. More collaboration, more uh, cross-defense thinking. Uh, and I think this will be, will be good overall, yeah. It'll lead to new innovations. Right, so let's talk about that. In the early 1920s in the U.S., they created something called the air conditioner, right? Um, and from there, you had all kinds of industries. You had not just the main industry of creating the air conditioner, but you had refrigeration, you had gasoline, you had all kinds of things that were cert that were corresponding um, support sectors, right? And you don't have that right now in crypto, right? Um, how do we get there? How do we navigate that challenge and some other challenges too, collectively and collaboratively, so that we can build support structures around the industry? So I think like that that's exactly what's happening. You can't imagine how many emails I'm getting per day from companies like which are reaching out, which are doing exactly these things, like building infrastructure around crypto, like on the marketing side of things, but also on the like on the exchange infrastructure side of things, on like like being it uh, development development offerings, being it like product completely product outsourcing offerings, the product development offerings. So I think there's a lot of like a lot of development on the infrastructure side, which is a little bit under the radar, you know. Like I mean, I I I witnessed that a lot because like. I, I get approached proactively by so many projects doing their business development and like product fine tuning, let's put it that way. So I think there's there's a lot happening in in this respect and a lot of like small, medium sized 
companies are, are, are finding their way, let's, let's put it that way, uh, on, the, on the infrastructure side of things in the industry. Like I, I see a lot of development there. Yeah? And you also see more traditional players like smaller banks tapping in, in areas like being a liquidity provider. Uh, or like buying up a crypto liquidity provider which is in trouble, for example, and like ad ad adopting uh, this to their normal traditional business. Yeah? And so I think, and this also comes a little bit with the thought or thoughts I, I shared around consolidation and collaboration. This is exactly what what I'm what I'm seeing right now in the industry. Interesting. Um, I don't know if you've been following the uh, either the Voyager or the Celsius drama, <laughs> you know, um, but these the firms that are approaching to make offers and bids are um, they're not traditional banks. They're not startups. They're they're actually um, distressed debt companies. Right. So what role do you think those distressed debt companies, since you had those conversations, will have in these consolidations? Yeah, that's 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 very interesting. I, I share share one thought uh, in the respect. You know, I've been a I've been a, a banker before and in private equity and and worked as well with a U.S. private equity firm called Cerberus, and they were they are also big in in buying up distressed companies, transforming them, and stuff like that. So I I also have uh, experience in that field. And when I when Celsius happened and Voyager, uh, like uh, I was just like uh, like. Having some AMAs with uh, with SMAPE, the fund I, I was also uh, co-founding, and suddenly uh, these former peers from the uh, PE uh, transformation uh, uh, and uh, yeah um, were coming around the corner and were joining these AMAs because they thought, okay, there's a big chance now in buying up uh, new new kind of debt and more flexible kind of debt, and uh, yeah, that's. That's definitely happening. Like uh, a lot of these players are are sneaking into that. Uh, also, like I mean, I I can't talk about this yet, but um, there there are also new, uh, very new elements coming around the corner in terms of like investing in token. I saw like traditional um, like structurings, um, debt and uh, equity kind of investment structurings being now applied on 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 token offerings. Uh, like this is uh, this is very interesting. Yeah, so the the more traditional uh, fund and investment industry is appreciating actually as well the flexibility of uh, digitized uh, assets. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and uh, more flexible assets. And uh, yeah, so uh, on all ends, on the debt side, but also on the like on the more active side of things. Yeah, on the more on the asset side of things. Yeah, asset and uh and and that yeah so yeah definitely that's like that's definitely happening yeah but more, also more from niche players so like yeah like looking into celsius and voyager uh that buyouts that was uh definitely not done by the very big like traditional players yeah I used to work at aig i worked at aig for a dozen years so we created structured products all the time <laughs> you know, so that makes, that's why I asked you, it makes sense. Um, so, yeah. So I want to thank you very much for your time today. I really enjoyed talking to you. And um, 
I have, I guess, one last question, and it's it's really easy. Um, it's how can people find out more information about Block Trade, about you, about what all the great things you guys are up to? How can they do that? That's very easy. Just uh, go to www.blocktrades.com or search for us on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Telegram, and find us there. And um, yeah, everyone who wants to know more about me or wants to get in touch with me, just uh, just write me on LinkedIn. My name is Christian Niedermüller, uh, as you pronounce this uh, so so greatly, Jamil. And uh, so yeah, just just reach out to me. I'm I'm actually very easy reachable normally. So yeah, and and then you can find out more. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. It was a really interesting discussion. Thanks a lot.